record it. Uh, this is a story where the Peter comes and then they, Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. Uh, Peter's a little on the frustrated side, to say the least. If you read the whole story, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase the first section there. He's a little frustrated, and, and he sits there and goes along, and, and right at the beginning there he says, his disciples were gathered, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And he just, you know, he's just frustrated. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. I'll follow you wherever. If you die, I'll die. If uh, whatever happens to you will happen to me. And then he denies the Lord and Savior. Then the Lord and Savior's promise of return, and he comes back. So Peter's kind of stuck in this position of not knowing what to do or what his role is in this whole thing. And put yourself in that. You know, when we are tired, hungry, frustrated, uh, as Tammy would say, ill, or whatever else, stressed out, we normally revert back to our old ways, old habits. And the only way to change that in life is to make your old habit a godly habit. Most of us will go back, you know, somebody drinks or something else, that's what they'll go back to. And that's why it's so important to renew our minds daily. So when the world pushes back at us, our old habit is turning to God. Many times we're doing something else there. But so he goes along, he brings the fish up. Uh, the fish represent all the people. The net doesn't break, means Jesus never loses any of them. And all that stuff goes along. There's a lot of this, and we've covered it through the years here uh, and going along. And so let's get to verse 15. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to Simon again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most surely I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This is the word of God for the people of God. We have looked at this many different ways. Most of you have through other preachers and other Bible studies. And we normally look at the word of love and how that word love is changed back and forth because in Greek it's done with agape, phileo, and eros. But I want us to look at something else. I want us to look at, the, at Peter as the church. As if Jesus is talking to the church. And the reason we say that is, is because Peter is the first stone of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation of the church. But the first stone laid for the church is Peter. Our heritage runs all the way back, of course, to Jesus, but to Peter first. Uh, when I was in seminary, Bob Tuttle, a professor of ours, had his whiteboard, and it was probably almost as long as this wall, he would start off with Jesus and Peter, and you tell him the day in which your church was made and the denomination, he would stick it on this timeline. He could stick every church on the timeline. But it all goes back there, and it all goes, refers back to Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 17. And 
And Jesus and Peter are talking. Jesus answered and said to him, meaning Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, uh, Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church. Remember, Peter was called the rock. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And wherever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And wherever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter is the beginning of the church. Uh, later on, the so Holy Spirit comes along and all that stuff comes there later. There's more to that. But Peter is the beginning of the church. And we've got to remember one thing. If Peter's beginning the church, Jesus is talking to the church, even though he's talking to Peter uh, in this story. But he's talking, to, talking there. And the church has been given the keys to the kingdom of God. The church, you and I, have been given the keys to the kingdom of God. Jesus, we want to read Revelation, has been given the keys. He holds the keys. He's not giving them. He holds them. He holds the keys to death and hell. We cannot wish anybody there. Our job as a church, and that's what we're going to get to the story about, our job as a church is to get people into heaven. And so this is the formula in which Jesus gives to Peter. First thing he says to Peter, feed the lambs. What is a lamb, you would have to ask? A lamb is a baby sheep, a little sheep, an immature sheep. Uh, it goes along. It was the yearly lambs that were sacrificed at the, at the offering in the, in the temple there. So it's going to mean two things here real quick. Young, young physically, Mr. Jordan over there, the newborn baby about to come, young and everybody in there, and then also young spiritually. Let's first talk about the young. Those who are at breakfast this morning with the blessing of, of course, I don't know if Tammy knew, but I didn't know. I figured it out when I come in to set the thing up, and because they were here Friday, and I walked in. Uh, they were trying to keep a secret from me. Uh, they think the preacher's nosy. He no, he's in control. <laughs> he knows what's going on in the church. But so he goes along here, the young. One of the things I learned from Journey, and if you, those who were here and listened to Taylor, literally listened to Taylor and heard her message, you understand that young people do not worship the way we do. Young people don't worship the way we do. When you and I, most of the people here in church, except the young people over here, the young people, when I was in church, and I didn't grow up in a family that went to church a whole lot, but when my dad went to church, we had a drug problem. He was, we were going with him. He drug us with it. And there wasn't no question on it. My mom would sit there and say, I'd like to go to church Sunday. Something's going on or whatever. And my dad, you know, boys, get the suit out. We're going. We all dressed up in a suit and tie and went to church. There was no question about it. My dad, I don't feel like it today. There was none of that. Get your in the car <laughs> and you're going to church. And when we were in church, you didn't dare make a noise. We sat there. We sat quietly. Uh, we didn't make a noise. We, but we, my dad used to say, your children are furniture, seen and not heard. Most of us can relate. Older people can relate to that. That's not how it is today in church. And probably praise the Lord for that. I mean, I'm not dogging uh, the young people. Praise the Lord for that. Working with Journey and working with the Christmas people and you're working with, starting to work with the younger people, they worship different than us. 
They, they, they love the Lord just as much as we do, but they worship different than us. And the reason I bring this up is most of us here, again, excluding the young people, if you're under 40, I'll exclude you for a minute, but the us that are 50 and older, there is more years behind us than there is ahead of us. We can just be honest, right? And if we want to leave a legacy that Alapahal is still alive in 20 years, when most of us will be gone and be in glory with heaven, we better learn to connect with the young people. The young people that love the Lord. We better learn to connect. And when they show up in church, we better be excited. We, we kind of need to get rid of our old ways and go so long. We went to Jeremy Camp last night. Drug that I was I was in that drug problem again. Drug to Jeremy Camp last night. It was a good time, even though God spoke loudly and brightly as the lightning and stuff come before. Jeremy Camp did a great job. I'm looking around there. I always like when I go to worship things like that. I like to look around at the people. I'm kind of a people watcher. Old men. I mean, people older than me. Old men that had more energy than me. And they had this song go on. Came in this song. Going, yeah, you'd have to raise your fist. Yeah. They're just jumping. And, and Jeremy Camp, which we looked up on the web, is 41 years old. And he's bouncing around like a little teenager up there. But and, and these, these old people are in church. And I wonder if that's where they worship in church, too. They're just singing. They're jumping up and down. It's pouring down rain. Of course, we're under a pavilion. And lightning out. And these people are just, and water's flooding across the floor. And they're just dancing around. The excitement and the energy in there for Christ was awesome. Where are we at today with that, people? And, and so we need to learn as us. It's not that we don't love the Lord. I know like we do the praises and prayer times. For a lot of people, that's uncomfortable for them, and that's okay. But if we want to see the legacy of this church grow, we need to start talking to these young people and say, what do you like? And we, we want to leave a heritage to them because these are the futures of our church. We need to realize they don't always worship. They're polite and they sit there and listen to us. They don't always worship the way we do. The next one is spiritually young. We're living in a generation between 10 to 12 generations of people that have never been to church. Some have been to a funeral, maybe a wedding in a church, but even that's even not common anymore. Most funerals are held at the funeral home or somewhere else or just a graveside service. So a lot of people haven't been in church, but a lot of people are spiritually young in the church. And so we're going to put them in the lab. No matter your age, you're just young. You come to church, a lot of young people that have never really been to church before, and all of a sudden the preacher starts talking about atonement, the blood of Jesus, uh, forgiveness, and all these things. They don't understand. That guy is speaking Greek to them. The other one is, when I was a kid, and I'm probably the last generation, I'm 56, I'm probably one of the last generations, I learned to read in school by the little gold book. Y'all remember the little gold book? The little gold label on the back of it there? I learned how to read from David and Glass. Some lady read to me, and I just looked at the pictures, by the way. But that's, and I still do that today at the house. Tammy reads, and I look at the pictures. Uh, I, got, I got a picture, an illustrated picture Bible at the house. But so we go along. Uh, you know, I learned David and Goliath, Abraham, and we sung the, in school, in public school, we sung the songs, Father Abraham, and all these things, we, we, we did that. And so everybody, whether we went to church or not, we had a basic foundation of faith in, in, in the church and of Jesus. That's not so today, people. All church has been removed from school. All the church has been done there. Uh, all, the, all the things that God has been removed from that. And so people coming to church today just don't know. I was reading a book about a book, 
called the invitation, which I think I'm going to get, because it talks about dealing with the people that don't know the fundamental stories of the church today and how to reach them with the stories of the Bible. And, and so, so it goes along. So number one thing the church needs to do is feed the lambs. Do we have programs set up that attracts young people to bring their young children here? You know, when these children are baptized, we made a covenant before God that said that we will raise, if it's only one child, we will raise them in a way. We will provide the programs that this child needs to know the love of Jesus. And so that's where we got to go. Do we have programs that are involved with our Bible studies, our stuff, for people that also know they need to know Jesus? Here's another problem with the young in the church. Here's a real quick problem with this. People come to the church, they come in, they get baptized, they're going along, and they get to this level. They're really still lambs. They never mature to sheep. We never mature to sheep. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 says, By now you should be off milk. By now you should be off milk and on the solid food. Meaning, Jordan is not going to sit over there and drink on milk every day. Is that right, Mom? Yeah, that's right. One day we're going to give him a spoon and a fork and he's going to feed himself. And, and that's our goal with our children. It should be also the goal with the church. We're supposed to go along there. Because the next step comes into is tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. There is more work to the church than people realize. My kids will sit there and joke around. It's a joke, is it not, Hannah? Dad, you only work a couple hours on Sunday, and maybe on Wednesday and Thursday, not here Thursday. I mean, man, it's five hours a week. That's all you do anything. There's a lot of work to the church. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, this is the story where Matthew comes, I mean, uh, uh, Peter comes in, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, when Peter comes, and, and he's taking care of the widows, and he's taking care of the children, the church is growing rapidly, and these, these disciples are trying to take care of everything. Also, preach. And that's where Peter says, it's not good for us to be, uh, to, to tend to these people. We need to make servants to do that, and we need to be, our job is to be in the Word and prayer. We need to remember that the preacher's job is to be word and prayer. But there's a job for everybody in the church. It's not always the preacher's job. So many times, of course, never at a lap hall. Hey, preacher, can you go talk to that person? Well, sure. I'm a kind of a friendly guy. And find out, well, why didn't you go talk to him? Well, I really don't care for the guy. He's kind of uh, they're mean or they're something. Oh, yeah, send the preacher over there. Well, that's your job is to talk to people. No, it's not. <laughs> not really. It's all of our jobs. All of our jobs is to talk to people. Uh, a lot more goes into the church than most people realize. Unless you're the pastor or one of the leaders, the finance chair and, and administrative chair and stuff, to realize how much it takes to maintain this church. To maintain the church, to make the electric bill, uh, keep it going and keep it in good shape and good repair, keep it clean. There's a lot of work. Then the other job is, is to go out and bring people in. There's more than just preaching and Sunday and, and Bible study. The church needs to be, the church is not the building people. The church is you and me. And we need to be out in the world. And we need to be out in the world meeting people and getting them and getting them into a relationship with God. That's where the Great Commission comes in. Go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. There's an order to this. Teaching them in the ways of the Lord. We need to be out in the world. 
Not only about the church business, but the church business is saving lost souls. How are we doing there? Think about this real quick. Think about this because it's going to lead us up to our next point. Think about this real quick. Uh, when I was going to school, and I don't really remember the controversy with it, but I was going to school somewhere in grade school, between fourth and sixth grade, I know it was done by junior high, all of a sudden, one year we come to school, because before, over the loudspeaker, one student from one of the grades would get the honor of getting to the office, and he, would, he or she would get on there, and we all did what? Anybody remember? We did the Pledge of Allegiance. And then somebody, usually the same student, read the Lord's Prayer. That was every Sunday. And then, of course, we had the Bible and other things. That's how we learned to read. And so we go along. All of a sudden, that was just gone. I don't remember any controversy with it. It was just gone. And I mean, we really didn't miss it. It started at the beginning of the year. We really didn't miss it. But when it left, now that we go back in history, we know when it left. When it left, where was the church? When, when, the, when the ACLU come in and try to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse and all the prayer and anything related to Christ, where was the church? In 1972 or 73, Tammy will correct me on this, Roe versus Wade, when we made abortion legal, where was the church? We have st stood sinfully silent, and we have put ourselves in the position we are in today. We have not gone about God's business of tending to church and tending to the people. And now we are several generations away. Is, it that, is the church dying because there's not enough souls to save outside the doors? There's more people in the population today than there's ever been, a couple billion people. And over three quarters of them do not know the Lord. And so our sinful silence is causing people to go to hell. That brings us up to our next point. The last one is, is feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. These are the established people in the church. <coughs> and that's what we're doing here today. That's the sermon, the Bible studies, and the Sunday schools. Feed the sheep. Refresh those that come into the doors. When people come into the doors, I look at the church. I know somebody's going to give me a hard time about this. But the church is no more than really a gas station to me. A convenience store. And I don't mean to degrade that at all. But when we come in, I know, at least in my position of the church, come Wednesday, I know I'm the one that teaches on Wednesday, but I look forward to Wednesday because I get a good home-cooked meal that I ain't got to clean the dishes on. And, and then I get to fellowship of people and we get to talk about the Bible. So Wednesday for me is I'm pulling into the gas station because I've normally had a wet, rough Sunday afternoon because I had to go out and meet people. Monday and Tuesday, don't tell what kind of problems showed up. I need the church on Wednesday because I'm out of spiritual gas. And so, of course, I get Thursday, so I'm, I'm pumped for the weekend. And then Sunday comes around. You all think, well, you're just up there preaching. Sunday is just as much as worship to me as it is anybody else. It's not a job. It's not a career. I'm here to worship. My part of worship is proclaiming the good news of God. I'm here to fill up the gas again because now I need to go out and go things. Today I'm going to the, the National Hospital because I'm the chaplain out there. They've already called me. They've got something going on that I need to go attend to. And, and so I'm going to go deal with that. And then i got Bible study tonight. And, you know, all these things going on. And everything you do, every time you meet people, it's stealing a little bit of your spiritual gas and we need to be in the word of God and we need to be in church to be filled up at least that's the way I look at it is and that's what the last one is feed my sheep 
care for the ones that are in the church. Take care of them. Lift them up because they're going through a hard time too. They know people are going through a hard time. They're going through sickness, so they know people are going through sickness. And your job is to encourage them and to lift them up and to, make, and, and to do that with them. And so the church is to lift each other up, not cut each other down, and to build each other up so we can go out and face the world and all the problems that are before us tomorrow. How many know tomorrow is just going to be a blessing? There's not going to be a problem with getting kids to school. There's not going to be no sickness. There's not... We don't know what tomorrow brings. And if we don't have the hope of Jesus in our life today, don't tell them what will happen tomorrow. Don't tell them what will happen tomorrow. And, and so the church, and these three things, is we're to go out and to the young, the young physically and spiritually. We're to, to, to tend to the church business, to God's business. When I say the church business, it's not just a physical building, but all this stuff. And we are going to out and to encourage one another and lift one another up and get the spirits of food. Sometimes it doesn't happen in church. That's what the group text is about sometimes. Pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. And we're praying for so-and-so. We're texting each other back or however we communicate. And that is to be encouragement to one another. Now, if we're doing ministry right, let me read the last verse and we'll close it up. We're doing ministry right, verse 18. It's not only the preacher's job to be in ministry, or his wife, or his kids. It is everybody's job to be in ministry. Every person here that claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is a priest, a prophet, uh, all these things that goes along with that as a child of God. And when we enter ministry, one of the things we need to take out of our vocabulary sometimes, sometimes it's okay, is the word no. Because Jesus tells Peter about the rest of his life. And if we're really Christians, we will go where God sends us. With great encouragement, with great joy. Verse 18, most assuredly, this is Jesus talking to Peter, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger... You girded yourself, walk where you were where you wish, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Later on it says, This is the manner in which you will die, and he says, Follow me. If we are Christians, I know what I, I talked about this share just a couple of times. When we, we signed up to be Methodist pastors, we said I signed a statement saying, I will go where the bishop sends me without complaint. And uh, without complaining to the bishop, that is, or the DS. But I have done that pretty well. We're servants of God, we're servants of the church, and we will go where they send us. That's just how it is. Uh, and we've got to be open to go where God is sending us. God is sending you somewhere this week. Will you be open to it? It might be just your work wherever else. But you've got to love Peter. Let me throw one more thing. I'm going to throw a stick in the spokes. You've got to love Peter. Verse 22. You run over there just real quick. And he's talking about uh, John now, the one he beloved. He's talking about John. And Jesus, uh, and Peter, see, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Even after all this talking to Peter, Peter is still not got it quite right yet. He is a church member, and I love this. Do you know what so-and-so was doing in church? i seen so-and-so playing with the cell phone. I, somebody was praying, they didn't close their eyes. I have heard it all. Well, what were you doing, looking when, when their eyes were closed? You shouldn't know either. It's so going along. Peter's no different. We're no different there. And Jesus says, "If it will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me." Meaning, your mission is different than the person sitting next to you's mission. 
Your mission, what God has planned for you, is different than somebody else. So don't look over there and say, well, look at him. Look, He's not doing anything. Why do I got to do all the work? Shut up and follow me, is what Jesus is saying. Let me just put it in plain English here for you. Uh, and then later on, Jesus says, just skip down real quick. If I, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? What is that to you? Don't worry about what other people are doing in the mission of the church. God has given you and me a mission. Do your mission and focus on Jesus. And I'm telling you what, the church will grow leaps and bounds. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we humble ourselves as we come. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with us in all that we do. And Lord, we ask you this in the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.